1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Still a lot going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. We saw Patrick Beverly get introduced to LA media yesterday, but most were buzzing about the presence of Russell Westbrook. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the trade front and a lot more with Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher. Jake, good to see you again. Thanks so much for coming on.
2: For sure, man. You know, we, uh, we crossed paths in, in Vegas, and you, you said you want to have me back, and I, I appreciated the kind uh, offer, so here we are. Well, I, I couldn't have you on without talking about the Russell
1: Westbrook situation. Lakers fans still wondering, is this really the team that the Lakers are going to roll into the regular season? You have become, very quickly, one of the top newsbreakers around the NBA. So, Jake, what's going on on the Russell Westbrook trade front right now?
2: You know, I haven't spoken to anyone this morning, so mm-hmm. well, uh, let's let's give that barometer. But you know, th- as we said before we went on air, or as I said to you, you know, it's it's funny that not maybe not funny, but it's entertaining at least that this has been a story pretty much since last year's trade deadline in February, of th- this year last season, um, and we get through the entire off season. You know, Kevin Durant requests a trade; he stays in Brooklyn. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, they're out in Utah. Um, other big moves we can't continue to list, and here we are. It's September seventh. We're just a couple weeks away from training camp, and will the Lakers still have Russell Westbrook on their roster? Continues to be, you know, the only major domino kind of hanging, you know, or standing on the board left to fall. And part of that might be, you know, maybe he's not a major domino to that extent. You know what I mean? You know, major salary, major. Uh, you know, Hall of Fame career uh, final chapter being uh, told and unspooled for his, his, his legacy uh, as an NBA, you know, all-star, future Hall of Famer type player. But, you know, I, th- I think um, what was really interesting to me most about his summer and the story about whether or not the Lakers will be able to trade him was the, the very public divorce between him and Fat Foucher, and that kind of said everything to ESPN that had been rumbled around behind the scenes that, you know, if Russell Westbrook does ultimately get traded, he's going to most likely get bought out and waived. And that's just presenting. That's all you need to know about what he is as a trade as a trade value asset from the Lakers side of things, where you know, back in February, L.A. was viewing him as a value asset. Right. They were only trying to move him for to. You know get better, they've kind of still operating with that being that you know they they there's been numerous reports that for a while they were only willing to attach one first round pick, um, to trade him. That they've then since kind of shifted their stance from everything that's been out there. Um, that you know they, they'd be willing to put that second 2029 you know pick on the table if and only if, though, it, it, it's a move that makes them a legitimate contender. And we're this deep into the offseason, Russell Westbrook is a, a, a waivable and then, you know, a, a minimum player. How much are you going to get uh, for those two first-round picks with Russell Westbrook um, that's going to actually move the, the Lakers' ceiling that much higher? So, you know, to, to kind of round this ramble out, like, really only seems to me, from my understanding, really only seems like the Utah Jazz are, are, are a true legitimate um Home for a direct two-team situation for LA to both offload in and to potentially get back pieces like Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, maybe Jordan Clarkson. Um, you know Rudy Gay's name could could be a name that comes back in some capacity, but still, like h- how much are those guys really, you know, vaulting the Lakers' title chances? I'm not I'm not so sure.
1: Uh, do you see the Jazz? Because that's the team we've heard a lot as well. We we've got a few other teams that we'll get into, but. Are the Jazz a motivated seller? Is this something that they'd be looking to do before maybe training camp, before the season starts up, or do you think Utah is going to be more patient here and and are they willing to move or bring these veterans into the regular season?
2: The Jazz are definitely a motivated seller, as we've seen with with Rudy and and, and Donovan. I mean, those are the two bigger pieces they um, you know already had exit. You know, Royce O'Neal. They, they, they sent before either of those guys to Brooklyn, right? Now, that, that prompted the whole Brian Windhorst meme, right? So, you know, Bogdanovich, I think, clearly has the the greatest trade value of any of those players. Um, and I think, you know, Jordan Clarkson's probably right, right there behind him. Conley's a little tricky because he's got um, a second season left after this. I believe it's at $14 million partially guaranteed, um, which would still be, you know, a pretty hefty cap hit. Uh, for a team to take him on at, at this stage of career, I think you know the Jazz going all in and, tr- and and getting him was very beneficial for a time. But last season, he wasn't exactly you know a sterling starting point guard in the NBA. So the fact that it was it was a first round pick that was the price for Royce O'Neal, you know from everything I've heard, it, it's a similar evaluation for all those guys. The Jazz are hoping to get first rounders for um, for those veterans and and I, you know to bring it back to the Lakers. Conversation, the Lakers. Now that they've moved THC already to Utah for Patrick Beverly. They don't really have much else to trade besides those future picks. So Russell Westbrook's salary is really the out the one outgoing move with those picks that they can do. And if the Lakers are already having to, you know, compensate a team, you know, one plus picks just to offload his salary, they're going to need more to then also get back more players. So. It, I really am, you know, working under the assumption that there's a strong likelihood that, as much as the Jazz are, uh, you know, kind of a natural trade partner in a sense. I don't know if they're going to really get a deal done unless, I mean, to me, it seems clear that those there's going to have to be those two first round picks um, heading out the door.
1: So the Jazz looking for the two first round picks in exchange for whatever package would come back, whether it's Conley, Clarkson, Bogdanovich, whatever the pieces you want to mix and match there. The lakers do you think from the lakers perspective is that a wise trade to make particularly in the context of lebron just signing his contract extension with la as well that's got to be a factor here
2: we can curse on this show right sure go ahead i mean lebron said fuck them picks like <laughs> look it's it, it's the, the the waning window of him being a legitimate mvp candidate right and i think i wrote about this in my book where I think a lot of how the Lakers treated Kobe in his, you know, elder years as a player. Um, and while the Lakers inadvertently stumbled into the tanking race that, that took over the league from 2013 to 2016 uh, built to lose how the NBA tanking our change league forever. Um, like I think the way they honored him and the way they were always were steadfast and offering him, you know, maximum money, or at least, upholding his salaries, being the richest player in the league, the highest player salary. I think the way they treated him was um, kind of a a stealth marketing campaign to players like LeBron and Anthony Davis that when you're a star here, we're going to treat you as such. Um, So, I mean, sure, they needed a a boatload of picks to go get Anthony Davis, but got LeBron for free, right? I mean, LeBron just woke up one day and decided I'm going to become a Laker. And the Lakers had the cap space and they made it happen. By all accounts, uh, I, this has been reported left and right. Like they're very, they're very set on trying to uphold as much cap room as they can next summer. I mean, Kyrie Irving becoming a free agent and that flirtation they had this offseason would seem to be, you know, a very top target on their their wish list of potential for agents they could bring in that 30 million plus number for next year you know patrick beverly having only one year left on his deal um, was a big uh, factor in him being a target for the lakers um so if you're able to move those two picks right now and get two solid rotation players maybe even a third type of piece that can you know like a rudy gay type who can play 10 minutes here and there and provide some type of punch um I think a there would be some addition by subtraction of, of just moving on from this Russell Westbrook story. Even if he's there, and the team is relatively successful, let's say they you know are a seven seed this year, and or maybe even a six seed, and decent vibes, you know the, the city is excited that they've got a chance to win every night type of deal. It's still going to be an ongoing story. Come trade deadline, there's going to be oh, will Russ be there? I think even just moving on from that kind of you know narrative would, would be beneficial to um, the franchise. That's just my opinion, but I, I do I do think those things matter. And then you, like, hypothetically, you bring you know Bogdanovich um, and Mike Conley into the fold. So addition by subtraction, you have those two guys. Then you've got that cap space for next summer. So are you are you paying? Are you mortgaging those picks? in order to not just better off your team this year with LeBron, but then have a, a higher starting point of your floor for when you do enter free agency and you've got probably one last shot to sign a max of a free agent while you already have LeBron and Anthony Davis under contract. I understand that logic, like I do, especially mm-hmm. being that, sure, 27 and 29 are a long way away, but you are the Lakers. The Lakers in that time period I talked about, that tanking era, 2013, 2016, that five-year window, whatever it exactly was, you know, from the Dwight Howard trade to whatever, they were the losingest team in the league for five straight seasons, and they still ended up, you know, getting LeBron and AD and winning a title in 2020. The Lakers are, are operating with a, a far, far wider range and, and margin for error than any other team in the league. And I think sometimes you have to take advantage of that. And this, to me, if I was someone running, you know, lakers uh basketball operations i think it's worth it i I think you can sacrifice those picks and make up for it and for agency um in ways that other franchises can't
1: but i think that's the the challenge with a jazz deal you've got bogdanovich who's an expiring contract but then you have like you said there's money still on the books for mike conley two seasons from now so you're eating into that cap space if you're to to take on someone like him jordan clarkson somebody like that And so I wonder how much value the Lakers are putting into having that future cap space. But with then the balancing act being, are you punting on one of LeBron's last best seasons, right? I mean, he's going to be 38 years old this year. So there's a lot of Lakers fans that are concerned that if the Lakers bring back Russell Westbrook, if you don't pull the trigger on a deal, are you effectively just kind of running out the clock on a season that hasn't even started yet and hoping that LeBron can still be effective at age 38 next season?
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, I mean, we already there are already people in the league, smart people in the league, who are, are wondering whether LeBron still drives winning the same way that he did two years ago. Um, being that you know, since the title, we have not seen the Lakers win at a super high level, right? I do think a lot of that has been, of course, affected by Anthony Davis's uh, injury status and the Westbrook trade. You know, the results are what they are. They 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 may have overpaid for him to begin with, and he has then not necessarily helped been a, a driving factor of winning as well. And the fit has been curious and it was always going to be curious right I think you know it's been pretty well documented at this point but you know for everything I I was told and this even dates back to Cleveland like LeBron when they moved Kyrie Irving to Boston and they brought back Isaiah Thomas and Derek Rose um, was a player on that team and Dwayne Wade was supposed to be Uh, a ball handler on that team at a certain point LeBron looked up pretty early into that season IT was still hurt with the hip thing Derek Rose was having you know his own stuff LeBron was basically the de facto point guard in Cleveland I remember when I was at Sports Illustrated I was sitting uh I tell this story a couple times but I I was sitting on you know court side like the like the next bench basically interviewing Channing Frye about like what it's like to go from being a LeBron foe to being a LeBron teammate. And he was, t- Channing was talking about how LeBron just knows exactly where you want the ball in your shooting pocket. Like if you want it high, he's hitting it to you high. If you want it low, he's hitting it to you low. He's going to have to ask. And then LeBron like heard us and he kind of yelled over to me like, you know, I wasn't supposed to be the point guard this year. I wasn't trying to be the point guard. We're working on post moves and this and that. Like it's been a thing that he's been trying not to be on the ball and trying to become more of a secondary creator, you know, since 2018 so now we're going into the 2022 23 season like yeah he was certainly hoping russ would be an engine and someone that you know could put the ball in his hands and go get a bucket or maybe lebron could just be posted up on the wing and uh you know catch him on the swing and attacks will close out stuff like that so he's still looking for that type of um assistance i guess patrick beverly will help in that regard but he's also not you know no. He's, he's, he's more of a table setter than like someone who's generating offense in pick and roll you know, breaking down defense, getting to the second and third level and you know, collapsing too and kicking out. So I think they are definitely still hoping to find different ways to do that. I think that's also why we're starting to hear some talk about Pat Bev and Russ play together because, you know, to, to really get back to your question, like of wasting a year or, or burning a year of what he has left. Like there is definitely a concerted effort to try to find ways to have LeBron's workload be lower so that way he can still be as effective as he has been. That's
1: interesting when we connect the dots there, because I hadn't thought of his of his Cleveland days, but if you look at his time with the Lakers, yeah, Le- LeBron has been doing what he can to try to get off ball. You mentioned it's been since 2018, but they brought in Dennis Schroeder for that that purpose. That didn't work out. Then they doubled down on that idea and went and got Russell Westbrook. Now here where they are, here they are. They've got Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, despite the fact right that they won a championship with LeBron acting effectively as the point yeah. guard. So it's clear that he does want some of that burden off of him. Uh, going back to, to Patrick Beverly, though, and, and Russell Westbrook, can that pairing really work? Is that like they were kind of buddy-buddy a little bit yesterday. You know, Pat mentioned that they were going to have to, you know, have some tough conversations and everything. But what's the general sentiment around those two guys? They have a long history of, frankly, not liking each other. Now here they are on the same team, potentially playing the same position. What's that dynamic going to look like, particularly for a first-year head coach in Darwin Ham?
2: Yeah, I I can't speak to what those guys are thinking right now. Um, I mean, but just understanding the way the league works, like, yeah, those tough conversations are going to have to be had because, I mean, they have as – Uh, chronicle the history of of beef as any two players in the nba the same position thing is interesting especially on the back of a whole season where everything i heard throughout the year russell westbrook coming off the bench was just not an option was not going to happen was not going to be something that he entertained i don't even know if it was something the lakers coaching staff really even breached with him because i think they were under they they were on they were of the understanding that that wasn't something he was going to be amenable to. So maybe that's where part of this Patrick Bev and uh, Russell Westbrook are going to be sharing the court thing is stemming from because Russ isn't going to want to be on the bench. But I don't know. I I think this is a different year. Maybe he will be more um, open-minded to that type of shift. But I think to your question of them working together, the one big thing that uh, Patrick Beverly does absolutely bring is just at least uh, a reliable – off-ball shooter, and that's something that the Lakers have obviously really been lacking, and losing Malik Monk is going to be – that's probably the biggest – forget about his creation opportunities. But the fact that LeBron is basically this team's best three-point shooter is not um, a great uh, factor in finding spacing around LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? So the fact that Pat Bev is just like a veteran presence who can and will make big shots like we saw – with the Timberwolves all throughout last postseason run through the playing tournament into the playoffs where they nearly beat the Memphis Grizzlies. He was a huge, huge, huge part of that. And I do think that was part of, I mean, I think his postseason excellence with the Timberwolves. And that's not, I'm not not being hyperbolic here. Like Patrick Beverly was excellent in the postseason with Minnesota. Um, I do think that was, you know, part of the reason why, in addition to his whole career of of doing what he does, I, I do think the fact that he did what he did with Minnesota last year a large reason in the lakers targeting him as a as a target i mean he was the guy after after kyrie after that whole thing ended the word i kept hearing the loudest of lakers targets was patrick beverly patrick beverly patrick beverly
1: and it makes sense particularly if you're looking to maintain future cap space plus the mentality that he brings as well as the skill set of being effectively kind of a three and d style guard which is certainly something that has fit well historically with LeBron and Anthony Davis, uh, Jake. Before we let you go here, what's going on with the Pacers? You know, we we heard earlier in the summer that you know maybe there would be something around a Buddy Hield Miles Turner deal with Indiana. Been pretty quiet on that front since then. Any anything going on there, or are the Pacers just content to uh, roll into the season with the status quo?
2: I think the Pacers are content to roll into the season status quo. I mean, their, their price for Miles Turner has been basically two first round picks. So to send him out the door with Buddy Heald and take back Russell Westbrook only for two first-round picks, i seem, seen, you know, it, it seems like too cheap of a price uh, for the Pacers to accept. Uh, I, I mean, if it wasn't, that deal would have already been done, right? Um, so, you know, Turner is, is clearly someone the Pacers are willing to move on from, though, and clearly they were pursuing DeAndre and restricted for agency, and they, they are willing and prepared to work with Miles turner's representatives to find him a new home i do think the lakers clearly would like to bring him on board which is kind of curious being that i mean the 5-4 situation this entire anthony davis lebron tenure has obviously been a huge talking point as well being that the lakers have gone back and forth and going all in on the deandre jordans and the dwight howards while also they won the title with anthony playing the five so you know, I, I'm sure Lakers fans are, are nodding their head yes or pounding their head on the table right now, just even me mentioning that fact. So it is kind of curious that he is someone that is really, you know, of interest to them. But, you know, he does shoot the ball pretty well. He has, he has flirted with shooting 40% in certain seasons of his career. He's an elite rim protector. Um, So there are certain elements of his game that make sense. But I, I, I don't think that Indiana is just so willing to to move on from him and Buddy Heald for that price. And then also, you know, the owner, Herb Simon, it doesn't seem like he really has much of an appetite for buying out a player at that much money um, to have them not to play a player that much money to have him not play for the Pacers. That's been pretty consistently communicated as something that doesn't seem likely. So I, I think the options of moving Russ, you know, have dwindled and, are basically slim to none at this point.
1: It's really Utah or nothing. And it sounds like your estimation would be that he is on the season to start the roster and the, or, or on the roster to start the season. And then we'll see what happens from there. Maybe they find a deal somewhere in mid-season.
2: For sure. It's going to continue to be a story until it's not.
1: <laughs> well, Jake, thank you so much for for coming on here and for, for joining me. I do appreciate doing some fantastic work over thank at Bleacher Report, And again, thank you for your time.
2: You got it. Thanks for having
1: me. Everybody, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to also subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel.
0: Till next time, stay safe and see you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.